The commitment that keeps our relationship with Christ alive is the commitment that says, Jesus, you have my heart, and I'll never give this place in my heart to anybody or anything else. I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. Great marriages are emotionally bilingual. In a great marriage, the husband speaks woman and the woman speaks man. I have a friend of mine who lived in Central America. He's a missionary down there for many years. And I was with him down there one day in Panama and we were just driving around and he'd been living down there 30 or 40 years. And I asked him this question. I said, do you think in English or Spanish? And he looked at me and he said, what'd you just say to me? I said, do you think in English or do you think in Spanish? And he said, I don't know. The next day he said, Spanish. Let me tell you something. I've been married so long, I think woman. I know what that sister wants. So if you're going to be romantic, you can't speak. It's not a, it's not a lesson. It's a demonstration. See, a lot of people try to be romantic. It's like, I want, I want to teach you about sex. I want you to enjoy sex. You come over here. I want to teach you. I want you to talk. I want you to learn how to talk. I want you to learn how to talk about your And so we're trying to give each other a lesson. That's not romance. Romance is going into your spouse's world and speaking the, their language according to their needs. A, a man says, honey, I just, listen, just, could we just talk tonight? Could we, I just have a lot of feelings to process. And <laughs> I just want to talk to my best friend. I've been feeling a little insecure lately. And she said, really? Oh. And could we just hold each other and no sex? No sex. And I really just feel like I've been watching too much sports lately. Could we watch a romantic comedy? And something with not a lot of action because I'm just kind of feeling tender. I just need to hear, I just need to hear a lot of conversations, especially women talking. And a lot of guys are just going, uh-uh. That's romance. Romance is not you speaking your language. Romance is you speaking their language. You have to go in their world. And this is an interesting thing. So this is a little thing I saw about, about romance. And it says, uh, how to win your spouse. And it says, and this is kind of a little help y'all understand how to be romantic in your spouse's language. It says, how to, how to win your wife. Okay, how to, how to be romantic to your wife. Dine her, call her, hug her, support her, hold her, surprise her, compliment her, smile at her, listen to her, laugh with her. Cry with her, romance her, believe in her, cuddle with her, shop with her, give her jewelry, buy her flowers, hold her hand, write love letters to her, go to the end of the earth and back for her again. Here's how to win your husband. Show up naked and bring food. And the food is optional. Okay. So meeting, you have, to, you have to be romantic in your spouse's language. Okay, it's a language demonstration. Number three, communicating unique value to your spouse or unique priority to your spouse. Romance, there's only one person that deserves romance in our lives, that's our spouse. 
Not anybody else. It's just, it's for one person. And what I'm saying when I'm being romantic is I'm telling you, you have a place in my life nobody else has. That's what I'm saying. So how do you do that? Okay, first of all, through consistency. It has to be consistent. Not when you're in trouble, not seasonally, but you're consistently saying to them, you have a place in my life that nobody else has, okay? Another way is it, you, you communicate it in different ways. Verbally, by the way you talk to your spouse, but making them feel very special and valuable. Uh, comparatively, what I'm willing to give up for you, every time you give something up for your spouse, you're communicating value to them. I'm willing to give up, I hung up my golf clubs and it saved our marriage. Uh, we, Karen and I have both sacrificed for each other for the sake of our marriage. But if I'm not willing to give something up for you, and what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus is, you're gonna have to give something up. Okay. Um, giving and generosity, especially you know, energetically and with a good attitude. Creatively, uh, let me, my uncle Charles died uh, about 20 years ago or so, and he and my Aunt Peggy were married for 40 years. And my, uh, when I was doing his funeral, uh, I was talking to my Aunt Peggy, and here's what she said, and they had a great marriage, by the way, and she said, your Uncle Charles wrote me a new poem every day for 40 years and left it on the dining table when he went to work. Now you think of the mental energy that it took to sit down and write a new poem. You know, roses are red. How, how many times can you massage that thing around, you know? <laughs> and, but, it's, but it's the energy, it's the creativity, it's the consistency of saying, there's nobody like you. I'm not giving you what I give everybody at work. I'm not giving you what I give the kids. I'm not, because you're not like them, you're special. And so romance is communicating a special place. I'm doing this for you, but not anybody else. And here's the last one, and it's empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. And this is one of the abilities that God has given us. And now Karen, this is her number one strength on strength finders is empathy. Now I promise this is true. Karen can sit in a room and she can tell you how everybody's feeling. She tells me how I'm feeling. She said, well, you know, did that bother you? No, and she said, yeah, it did. It did, did not. It really did, Jimmy. You're bothered, you just don't know yet. It's like, well, that, I think that's a boundary violation, you know? But she's always right. You know, next day I'll wake up mad thinking, that really did bother me, you know? But empathy is, I can look at another person and project over and say, I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder how my words are making them feel. I wonder what it would be like to be married to me. And I can project, we're the only people, we're the, animals can't do that, only people can. It, it's, it's something that God put in us. Here are the 12 phases of instinctive romantic love. This is how you fall in and out of love. These are the phases that we go through. Number one is awareness, I become aware of you. Second is interest. The third is a positive exchange. We have some type of a positive exchange. The fourth is romantic interest. Now I'm romantically interested. Number five is high emotional focus. We become very emotionally focused. Number six, positive romantic exchange. Number seven, strong feelings of love and passion. Number eight, deepening relational bonds. Number nine, normalcy. Number 10, reality, conflict, difficulty, fatigue, illness. Number 11, distraction and disinterest. And number 12, loss of romance. Is when you are focused, there's high emotional focus. Everything is going like this. This is what Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus. You just don't have your eye on the ball anymore. 
I don't know where your focus is, but it's obviously not on me. And because of that, you're losing your passion. When your empathy means you're, 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 my, you're on my heart. Let me read one scripture to you and I'll close. This is Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable among, among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so it is saying here that in marriage, you're gonna have struggles. And when you have struggles, don't go shopping. Because when the Bible tells us not to covet in the Old Testament, it tells us not to covet our neighbor's wife. He's saying, when you're having struggles in your marriage, don't, stop, don't start comparing, okay? Because here's what he says. Because God himself has said to you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Okay, so, so what God is saying is this. Do you think that I couldn't get a better than you? Do you think that you don't disappoint me and that I couldn't swap you in for a better model? But in response to your issues, here's what God says. I will never ever physically leave you and I will never turn my heart away from you. The word leave means desert. The word forsake means turn your heart away. Whenever you turn your heart away from your marriage through offenses, through temptation, through distraction or whatever, that's game set and match. And the commitment that keeps, the commitment that keeps our relationship with Christ alive is the commitment that says, Jesus, you have my heart and I'll never give this place in my heart to anybody or anything else. You deserve first place, you're my first love, and I'm never going to give your place to any person, any pursuit, anything like that. That's what he wants. He wants our heart, it's a heart issue. And what God says to us is, this is covenant. What God says to us is, I'll never, on the worst day of your life, when you've done the worst thing that you'll ever do, I will not turn away. I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, it's phenomenal. And that's why I want you to do that to each other. This is the context of Hebrews 13. When you're going through hard times, I don't want you to turn your heart away. I've counseled a couple and the man was having an affair and uh, he was very offended at his wife. And we were talking in my office and, and I said, do you remember the day that you turned your heart away? He said, what'd you say? I said, do you remember? Do you remember the day that you got offended at her and turned your heart away? He said, oh yeah. I said, would you be willing to turn your heart back? Would you be willing to repent and forgive her and turn your heart back? And he just looked at me. And he did, he ultimately did. See, if you're, if you're you, you fell in love being romantic, period, you did. It was instinctive, you really didn't know what you were doing, you just did it. But maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you have a good marriage, but maybe you've lost your first love, the passion that you once had. And what I'm saying is you can get it back, but it's a hard issue. It's an issue of your heart. It's an issue of focusing on each other and never giving anybody else the place that your spouse has. That you meet unspoken needs and desires because you want to, not because you have to. You're studying each other. You're speaking love in your spouse's language. Did, this is an interesting thing. Did you know that the more emotional a man becomes, the more sexual a woman becomes? And did you know that the more sexual a woman becomes, the more emotional a man becomes? Why did God make it that, like that? 
I mean, you know, sometimes we'll say, Lord, why'd you do that? You know why the Lord did it that way? So selfish people couldn't succeed in marriage. You know why God put giants in the promised land? You know, God took the Jews out of Israel and took them to the promised land and they get there and there's 10 feet tall people in there scaring them to death. You know why there were giants in the promised land? To ensure the fact that only people of faith could have the promised land. And God made marriage to only people of Christ-like character can succeed. And if all you care about is yourself, you'll never have a good marriage because marriage is just brutal on selfish people. But if you'll come out of your world and go into your spouse's world and begin to communicate special value to them and pay attention to them, be empathetic to them, turn your heart toward them and think regularly, I wonder how they're feeling. I wonder how my words are making them feel. I wonder what they're going through. I wonder how I could help them. That's how you fell in love and that's how you fall back in love. That's the secret of romance. I want you to take each other's hand there and let me pray for you. Lord, bless these couples. Thank you so much. Thank you for Valentine's, Lord. Thank you for a special Valentine's. And I just pray, Lord, your blessing. And I pray, Lord, that you would renew the romance between us, Lord. And give us the grace to turn our hearts back. Some people have turned their hearts away. And I just pray, Lord, that right now they would make the decision to turn their heart back. You have committed to us, Lord, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. And we make two commitments here right now. Lord, you have a place in our life that no one else has. And if we become lukewarm in our relationship with you, we turn our hearts back right now. And as couples, we're not going to turn our hearts away from each other. Regardless of what we're going through, regardless of how difficult it is, we're gonna stay connected and focused on each other and work things out. But I pray blessing and healing and encouragement and hope for every couple. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.